Robots Got Todd, March the 13th, 2019. Todd is having a stroke on the other side of the phone here. Um, 3.13.19. We're not using phones. Whatever. The other side of the internet. The interwebs, as the kids call it. Where we're going, we won't need phones. We won't need roads! Thank you, Christopher Lloyd. And back to the future. In any event, uh, blustery blizzard... Blue oh, yeah, how's how's the weather there? The greater Denver area today. It's fine now. The snowing has essentially stopped. It's pretty cold, but nothing brutal. And um, How many inches? I don't know. As with blizzard conditions, you can't really tell because uh, it blows around. It's still very windy. Um, average I mean, wind of 20 to 25 miles an hour. Gusts of up to 60. Six. Six inches, sixteen inches. Um, somewhere between six inches, six to a foot, I would guess, because I went out and shoveled earlier, and uh, very painful experience. Do not like that. My back does not like the whole shoveling. Uh, you should look on YouTube. There's some hacks for snow shoveling that doesn't hurt your back. Really, such as. Uh, if I remember correctly, it's basically like looping a string around the front of the thing. So you kind of, <clears throat> you do that so you're not bending down with it. So you're I just... actually have a shovel that has that handle built in. I got it for Christmas. Okay. And, uh, it's helpful because the old <laughs> shovel I had was a shovel that the previous owners of this house just left here. And that one killed me. And you're me. like, this is perfect. <laughs> Wouldn't it? Yeah, well, because it was free. I used that for three winters i guess this is my fourth and it was it was bad it was really bad uh do people not use snow blowers there i have so i live in a cul-de-sac as i've spoken about before on the uh bro pod scott and todd here there's one neighbor in the cul-de-sac that has a snow blower everyone else shovels and it was interesting i, I went out about six o'clock tonight and obviously you know the, the clocks have sprung forward so still plenty of daylight out and the neighbor across the cul-de-sac, across the circle from me, was out there shoveling. By the time I was done, the next-door neighbor was shoveling. Two doors down was shoveling. The guy next to the guy across the street was shoveling. It was like a it was like a block party. Shovel party. Your driveway's not Shovel too party. long. Shovel party. Um, twenty to thirty feet. What's that? Your driveway's not too. Oh, long. my driveway. Uh twenty to thirty. Yeah, probably closer to probably closer to thirty. But honestly, I started doing the whole thing, which a lot of times I'll just do like tire tracks. Yeah. And then call it a day. But I was like, yeah, hey, let's do the whole thing. And I got halfway through and I was like, fuck this. And so I finished up Jamie's side because I don't care about my side and I very infrequently drive. Um, and then called it a day. Obviously, did the sidewalk because that's what the law dictates and the, the walk up to the house. Yeah. Do you, I seem to remember your house is perched upon a hill. Can you use gravity to help you push snow down rather than uh, truly is- shoveling it? Not really on a hill. I've never seen it, it, obviously. Obviously you haven't. Thanks for stopping by. Uh, as it relates to shoveling, no. The hill there, the hill has zero impact. So okay. it's all pretty flat, thankfully. Um, the backyard is, is on a hill, and the house... Well, sometimes with a hill you can use the, the gravity to help you. I understand. I, I imagine to a, to a small extent, if you ever had to shovel the entirety of your driveway, you could probably do that a little bit too. I, I have, because... Uh, my snowblower is not currently working because I didn't use it at all last year, mm. and now it needs like the fuel filter replaced. And so I tried to use it a scant few weeks ago, and right. 
it was not going to start. So I well, shoveled the tire tracks. I didn't really need to shovel it. It's, all of our snow has been where it's like melts in the next day or two, but I thought it, sure. it was one of those things where I thought it was going to get icy and gross, and so I was like, I don't want to leave it on the driveway. Well, and that that's the funny thing. As I was shoveling today, I was reminded that from the last snow, which was of any significance probably two weeks ago, uh, I did just the tire tracks, and it had almost melted except for one four foot by two foot ice patch, which as I was shoveling, <laughs> and it was on Jamie's side, as I was shoveling, it was like, <laughs> it just kind of ran into it. And I was like, oh yeah. So that still is there. But um, that's the other reason I went ahead and did the whole thing this time. I was like, do you have any uh, ice melt slash salt to sprinkle? I do not. Um, the neighbor two doors down has it. And we actually kind of, bump shovels if you will i was shoveling towards one end of the the, the sidewalk as was he he shovels because he shovels my next door neighbor her sidewalk because she's an elderly lady so he's nice enough to do that and then he's nicer than you i mean i guess so i'll just go ahead and say yes <laughs> i would be i'd be happy to you do have it not volunteered to do that I she's guess. just never asked and and i've never we don't i don't really speak to any of my neighbors let's be honest but you don't um, keep up with flow no, I don't. Flow. Um, but anyway, so as I, Just so as I finished and as he finished, um, I then I then put my trash can out there, and I was actually shoveling snow around my trash can because it's so windy. I didn't want the wind to blow it over, and I saw him then walking out with salt, and he was laying salt everywhere, and I was like, oh, that's nice. He was like, yeah, you want me to put some on your side? I was like, no, nah, that's fine. Don't worry about it. So. Should have had him douse some on your ice pack. I'm not, you know, I don't need to owe anybody that, favors. That salt works. It rips through that stuff I'm, pretty well. I'm sure it does. But it, again, it's not a big deal. It, it, it's in a place where no one's going to walk on it, even anyone delivering packages, etc. So, Who are you uh, getting packages? I mean, not frequently. I got something yesterday, but it's not like a frequent I, I don't get packages all the time <laughs> but you know that again that's the law you have to shovel it all the way up to your front door so that either the mail carrier or the UPS or the FedEx person doesn't slip and break their neck and then you're liable so you have 24 hours after the snow finishes which admittedly when I went out there about 530 it was not yet it ain't done, done yet it's still not done snowing but it's 90% done so even if I get another half inch or something tonight I'm not that not that concerned. The hard work has been completed. So, yeah. uh, but anyway, but yeah, I mean, it was a brutal day. Roads are closed. Major interstates are closed for, you know, 50, 60 mile stretches. So, um, and it started out as rain this morning. So you can imagine the type of snow we're talking about. This is not the light, fluffy <laughs> type you want to ski on. This is it's not champagne I, I, powder. No, actually the, the, the exchange that I had with the, the neighbor of my neighbor was, he was like, nice and heavy, is it? And I was like, man, it is super wet. And then there was an awkward pause, and we didn't talk again after that. So, except for the the, the salt situation. But sure. Um, but it was. He's it was like extremely my, heavy. He, he didn't say, like my jumper. <laughs> like my, oh, no. No, he didn't. <laughs> no, he did not say that. But, is he a basketball fan? Yeah. I've never seen him shooting hoop down at the, the local school. <laughs> Does he have a hoop? Actually, in front of his house is... There is a hoop. There's a hoop on the on the sidewalk, 
and maybe he's a baller. He has there's a there's a five or six year old kid that in the summertime plays, but it's annoying because he leaves it out there year round, and it's one of those that you could like wheel into the side yard or backyard if you wanted to. It's mm-hmm. you know it's got the big water base. He can empty what? it out and move Why it. Why is that annoying to you? Because it's on the sidewalk, and I run oh, pretty oh. much every day. It's in and your I have way. To go around it. Yeah, it's in the way. So no big deal, but. Anyway, so yeah, that's what we're dealing with here in uh, the greater Denver area. Studio White, A. The blizzard, yeah, Studio A here. It's under the blizzard. Somewhere between 6 and 12 inches of snow. Yes, somewhere. I didn't go there with a fucking ruler. What do you care? What difference does it make? I'm just curious. I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. Yeah, I'll tell you tomorrow after I've watched the uh, local news. But I tell you, the scariest part, I mean, it wasn't... Actually, it wasn't scary at all. But the potentially worst part about it is that as yeah, I was, I was obviously, I was obviously working from home today. And are you done talking to yourself? <laughs> inner thoughts over there. I hope so. At, we all do. As I was working from home today, uh, there were several like, I never had a power outage, but there were definitely a couple of power surges where the mm-hmm. lights kind of dimmed and then came back on, and it was very frustrating. I was trying to watch something on. Uh, on the DVR, <laughs> oh. and anytime there was any surge at all, Xfinity just cut out. It would reboot itself. Oh, that sucks. And so I had to give up on that until later this afternoon. We uh, recently got a whole house surge protector. Really? Through our power company. Interesting. Partially because our power company fucked over our whole street and sent too much power, and my neighbors are all like basically suing the power company in small claims court. That's why I had to replace my garage door opener because there was a power surge. Oh. And it also fucked up our heater. Luckily, our heater was under warranty, so they fixed it for free. But uh, it could have been a very costly situation. But they have something that they charge you like $8 a month and it's supposed to prevent. And it covers up to ten, a 100000 I don't know. Some... Oh, so it's like insured as well. To repair stuff, yeah. So per if, home? If for some re- yeah. So if it so doesn't work. Yeah, you're paying the eight bucks, you get the hundred thousand dollars coverage. Yeah. That's they assume you they assume you'll never Obviously. recoup that money. I, as do all insurance companies. <laughs> Why else would you do it? Yes. Um that's interesting. Or enough, uh, or few enough people will recoup it. Yeah, I mean uh, yeah, obviously. Yeah health insurance, you know, they, they understand they're going to pay some fees. Whatever, it doesn't matter. And that's how insurance works, kids. Yes. For our you next lesson, we're going to talk about the it. stock market. Um, <laughs> when you buy a share, you're buying a portion of that company. When they profit, you... Pro- anyway. Okay. That's interesting. Hopefully you never have to use Oh, it. that reminds me. Have you... Are oh, you boy. a podcast person? I know we're doing a podcast, but have you heard the, uh, the drop Hang on, did you... Hang on, hang on. Did you literally just say, are you a podcast person? I meant, do you listen to other podcasts? Cause we, we As we're recording some. a podcast? <laughs> Thankfully, because last week I had a struggle. Thankfully, we have our name of this week's podcast. Are you a podcast person? What a dumb fucking question. <laughs> yes, I'm a podcast person. We've talked about this before. When I ride I my bike into work have every you, day, uh, I listen to Have you listened to, to the dropout? That's the dropout. I've not listened it's to the a dropout. Hot, no. It's a hot pod at the moment. Is it now? It's it's the story of what is her name? Elizabeth Elizabeth Holmes and her company Theranos, which is a medical technology that she basically made up and 
Yes, I saw people. that story on 60 Minutes, and there They're is also... They're also making a documentary HBO. on HBO, yeah. I think it already exists. Or, yeah, it's, it's dropping soon. Okay. But I'm about halfway through. Pretty, pretty good. Yeah, she was... Uh, I mean, I can't even say she was batshit crazy. She was kind of brilliant, because she swindled brilliant hundreds of millions yeah. of dollars out of uh, a well-regulated industry, so... Kind of kudos yep. to her. I mean, it's got, not got cool a partnership did, with but... Walgreens. Yeah, I mean that you know, hey. based on nonsense or non-existent technology. Well marketed nonsense. That's the difference. Yeah. yeah. No, I um, I didn't know that was a podcast. So it's like a so it's a what a six part series or something. I yes. Okay. Precisely. Really? Wow. Good guess on my part. <laughs> Very cool. No, I have not. I have not heard of that. So that that's I, this week's podcast recommendation. Oh, okay. Podcast rec from Todd is the I mean, dropout. After, after you listen to this one. I mean, well, you would only know that by listening to this, yes. clearly. So you've made the right decision to begin I mean, with. Don't, don't stop this episode. Finish yeah, there's still plenty out. to come. Trust me. Plenty of quality content upcoming in the next um, hour and 45 minutes that we take to finish Let's hope one. not. Let's hope it's not an hour and 45 minutes. <laughs> Last week's was brutal. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> to edit or to, edit. to listen to? <laughs> I mean, it's kind of one of the one of the same. <laughs> we'll let the viewers or the listeners decide if it's a brutal listen the view, to. The to viewers edit. thought it's, it was pretty dull. The viewers thought it was, you know, yet again, no picture, just the still <laughs> picture of us when we're six and nine or whatever, or probably younger than that, whatever, however old we are in that photo from GrowPodNetwork.com. Um, what are you looking at? No, I said I'd have to look at the phone. Oh. Let's see if there's something you written. You said I have to that. look, and then you turned around. I'd have to look. And then I, some records caught something. my eye, so I was just looking oh. at them. Oh. Jazz records. <laughs> Catching Todd's eye at every minute. If you want True. to see the latest jazz record... Uh, no, I'm actually looking at some to. punk records. Oh, punk records. Sir. Right now I'm looking at a Food Not Bombs benefit compilation. Interesting. I can see it. Please help. Featuring uh, bands such as Swing Kids, Franklin, Indian Summer, Fingerprint, Current. Those are some of the big names. Mm, I mean, indeed, big in nineties <laughs> hardcore. <laughs> big I mean, is unbelievably those, I really relative. I like some of those bands. Of Franklin is do. awesome. Indian Summer is awesome. Current is pretty awesome. Fingerprint, two of those. French hardcore band, quite ah, good. French hardcore, French screamo hardcore. Oh, okay. Hardcore, I think is how they what they call it. Hardcore, hardcore, hardcore. Okay, we let's move forward. It. Yes. And start hitting some of these topics now that we're 15 minutes into the show. Bang bang. Well, we can't. As per standard protocol. Through. No, we can't. We got to talk about the weather like we're two old Jewish guys sitting at a deli eating yeah. a white fish sandwich. You know. Um. So you actually you you said something. I, I'm I'm gonna bounce around on the topic list. There's no particular order here. Sure. Well, let's do it. <clears throat> you mentioned earlier um, the podcast you were talking about, and it it cursorily relates to HBO. So let's start with a couple HBO thoughts that I have on some HBO shows. Do it. So just today, only a couple hours ago, I finished season three, the final season of Crashing. Yes. Um, now you, I I feel had some thoughts. After after hours on the, on the post show last week, which we do not record, <laughs> you had some thoughts on crashing, and so I, I hustled uh, 
to watch them all, and I timed it perfectly. We should. We should know if you have not finished season three. Spoiler alert! Do so because we're going to be talking about all the the whole season slash. Yes, the season in its entirety. In fact, the show in its entirety. And by the way, also spoiler alert: if you didn't know, it is now finished. Like season three was the final season. So I read an interview with Pete Holmes. uh, Like they did, he didn't know it was canceled before they finished the season, which is pretty surprising because it. That's quite a tidy little ending there. I mean, it does, they, but it... They didn't go back and refilm any of it either. Like, that was... I, I believe that. It could totally be... You could totally start season four with him and Allie back in a relationship. Again, spoiler alerts. Um, and him now pursue, you know, re-pursuing maybe a step-up career, but still in the club scene. He's off the Christian tour. He's not doing open mics anymore. <laughs> you know, I... It, I mean, so, he, 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 I, in the interview I read, he said it, it does kind of end in a good place because yeah, they would have he would have had to go into like what's it like to be more famous, presumably right. like the next step up. You I can't agree. just be like crashing on people's couches. No, again. you can't open right. And um, once you open for Mulaney, <laughs> you know better things are going to happen. So, like it sort of ends. He gets to be a regular at the cellar. Right. Where he's granted that yeah, slot, he's given... so. And that's kind of yeah. kind of what he wanted to be, and sort of the the premise of the show, starting out living in upstate New York and not really knowing how to do stand up comedy and making it right. to sort of an, a working comic level. Right. I'm I'm I have to say I'm pretty bummed. I really like this show for some reason. It's one of those shows that's like thirty minutes. It's funny. It makes you feel good. It's like it just scratches that itch of like. I can I can watch a lot of them, but I also like enjoy everyone. I feel the same way about like the Silicon Valley, although the Silicon Valley mostly turns out good for the most part, but always has like bad parts in it or right. downers for the team. Although that happens to Pete in the show too. But oh, for sure, a hundred percent, especially season one. <laughs> All it was, I mean, from literally the jump of the show when he walks in on his wife having an affair. I mean, it's it's all bad for him in season one, sleeping on couches, like you mentioned, and not really succeeding at comedy at all. But, um, yeah, I, I, I agree with that for the most part, although I will say that uh, I think it was episode five or six where he's he does the, the show on the road where he's the he starts out as the middle, he ends up headlining because the yeah, club yeah. doesn't like what the headliner's doing. Yeah. There, there are some unbelievable unbelievably cringy moments in that one. Mostly because, I can't remember the, the character's name, but the guy who is supposed to be headlining goes out there once he's put, you know, demoted back to the middle and does his normal shtick and it just is not working at all. And I'm just like, ugh. Yeah, that's the point of that episode. <laughs> I know it's the point of that one, but that one was, there There hadn't really been a lot of that in the show, but that was so like, ugh, like your skin the, was crawling. The full on-screen bomb of that dude? Yes, 100%. He's kind of an um, still, asshole. He also was tanked by Allie, who was opening for him. Yes. She sabotages 100%. his set on purpose. But that's hilarious. You know, make him work for it. If if he's going to be an ass to her, that's her only Agreed. recourse. You can't say, well, you suck, because she's still the opener, you know. So so let's back up and talk about the season yes. as a whole. Okay. Um, I enjoyed this season. As did I. Um so this season follows mostly Pete's, like, as we mentioned, I guess at the end of last season, he had had some success, but he's still, 
his goal was sort of become to become a regular at the cellar, or at least like be approved. Yeah, be able to get spots. Yeah. Um, and he tries earlier in the season and is determined Bombs. not to be ready. Right. Um, he Pete gains a new girlfriend. We can talk about her in a second. Okay. Which is a pretty large part of the season. A huge arc. He yeah. broke. Did he break up with Allie last season or? I believe that, that happened happen? last season. So he, so came he has the a new love interest. Yes. And then he experiments with some alternative. Uh, like last season, I think he went on the college comedy tour or did some some college that's where, dates. Yeah, that's where it ended. Last season ended with And him. this season he gets on a religious tour and <laughs> determines ultimately that he can't Not do it and offends. Although, it's interesting. He offends the sort of tour manager slash yes. president, I guess. Yeah. It's She's interesting because manager. like the audience seems to be eating up what he's doing, which oh, is yeah. mild the mockery. Like the stabbing thing in that <laughs> one joke. Part. Everybody's laughing the hilariously. I even thought hilarious. it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, right. Yeah, that's what it is. That's um, the sound of Abraham stabbing his son. But So, uh, yeah, the, the crowd seems to be eating it up, but the tour manager is, who's already sort of been foreshadowed to be very conservative, asks him to yes. talk more about his faith, right. uh, is sort of blatantly homophobic when yes. Pete has breakfast with his uh, lesbian, lesbian friend. friend. Yes. And uh, she's like, eh, she seems a little too urban for me, or a little too city for me. I don't remember what right. word she uses. Yeah, I can't remember either. But uh, it's it's clear that she's she's not comfortable with, with her being a lesbian. And uh, so he, Pete moves on from that and then ultimately finds his dream to be yeah to be a, a, to a be regular a regular seller after opening for Mulaney right <laughs> he opens mistakenly because right. Mulaney thought he was someone else his, his booker picks the wrong homes it's supposed to be Bob ben, Holmes or Ben, ben Holmes, ben Holmes. Yeah. is that a real person Ben Holmes? I don't think so I don't think so, but I, I, that was one of the funnier parts of that episode is when the show starts, they introduce him. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Ben Holmes. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. And he walks out, and then his whole set is, which obviously made up on the spot, improv was how yeah. he was mistakenly booked for this gig, and, uh, and it goes over real well. And John Mulaney even is a fan of it. And, and it's funny because my, I, I have a coworker who's a gigantic John Mulaney fan, me too. And and she said, uh, she was like, he's he's a huge part of this episode, but she's like, it's not what you think. And it's funny because really, with the exception of John Mulaney getting Pete a chance again at the cellar, he's a total dick to Pete <laughs> in the entire episode. And that's what Pete's material is, is about and yep. kind of the whole thing. But it's funny because it's almost like John Mulaney's like, look, this is who I am, but we can't get this, we can't let this out. We yeah, can't let the everything. public know then I'm a dick, so, you know, keep it under wraps. And then Pete just goes out there and totally sells him out. But it works. The crowd enjoys it. So in the interview so, I read, that like, the the beats of that were scripted, but a lot of that material was improv Sure. Which is not, not surprising entirely, but well done again. Like, right. Mulaney so, says something like, you can't be good, you have to you have to be dirty so I look clean. So I look, or you can't yeah. be clean. Right. Right. So... 
rather than recapping an eight-episode season, which Sorry. is basically what just happened, um, yeah, let's focus on our favorite beats. Yeah, f- hitting some of the high points first of all, or some of the more general points. Uh, you mentioned the girlfriend, who her name was Cat. He called her Kitty, which it actually took me a couple episodes, and I was like, oh yeah, her name's not Kitty, it's Cat. <laughs> like who's he talking but about? But now I get it. Um, how did you think she played? into the season and what were your thoughts on her character as, as a whole um i i always thought she was kind of a weird character i think it's more my personality but she kind of she definitely her her role in the show in my opinion was to push pete and get him like out of his comfort zone out of his comfort zone 100%. she did and also sort of i think because not that we grew up like evangelical but we have sort of similarly like conservative boring upbringings Mm-hmm. Like some of her activities <laughs> made me feel a little uncomfortable. Like she was very public in her sexuality and just sort of right. like pushing him. Like they, she makes him go to a club and sit up front so she he can be ridiculed as a comic sitting in the front row of a comedy. Which he knew better than he was like, yeah. no, 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 I cannot sit up front. And she did she it makes anyway. him wear a stupid fedora. Everyone yes. mocks him. Yes. Um. I so I didn't really like her character. Like she did not seem like the kind of person that I would would really appeal to me, but I think that was sort of part That's of the, the character, point. so it worked for yeah. for me in that way. Yeah. Um, it also sort of made Allie, his former girlfriend, look better. I think that because she better. seems like the, a kind of person that you would want to hang out with, where Cat sort of makes you a little uncomfortable, or at least for right. me, did. Right. Um. So I don't. I I thought it was a good arc. I'm glad he didn't stay with her because it was kind of weird, their relationship. Yeah, she was definitely bizarre. So, I I, I liked her character. I, I agree. I, it was it was something different. It was a... definitely put a twist on the season. I thought the episode, kind of her penultimate episode, where they went and visited Pete's parents and in the car, he was like, yeah, I was talking to Allie, and she was like, what do you mean? Like, she broke down? Yeah, I thought she that flipped seemed a very, little too quickly. <laughs> yeah, I thought that seemed very unnatural for her character, though. I mean, obviously there was a, a purpose behind it, but I was like, I don't think she would do that. Like, she doesn't seem like the kind of person that would care. Yeah, it was a little weird because earlier in the season he tells her basically, like, I don't watch a lot of porn, but there was a porn star who reminds me of you, and I think that's why right. I like you. And she's like, and she was excited, and about rather it. than flipping out, like, what the right. fuck, like, which I, I thought like was going to happen, ninety nine percent of. <laughs> Women yes. probably she would went and because... grabbed, Instead, she went and grabbed her, her vision board is actually what happened in that scene. <laughs> yeah. So and he was like, oh, yeah, the okay, fact that cool. He, that she became super possessive when he said, I, I stayed in a hotel room in a separate bed for my former girlfriend while I was working. Right. Seemed a, a little... Yeah. I mean, I know they have to move the story along, but that yeah, that, that was a little odd. Yeah, didn't make any sense at all. So, um, and then... So so that was that that didn't make sense to me. And then I guess maybe because they were trying to wrap up the season they were like how do we get rid of this crazy person? The fact that I mean I've seen people when they get drunk become a different person. But she got a little intoxicated at the at the watch party for Allie's appearance on Seth Meyers and then it was like they were just trying to destroy her character as quickly as possible and they succeeded by having her get drunk and put down Allie and then they have a fight in the street and she leaves but I was like even that scene, unless Pete the entire time was thinking, I got to get rid of her, and okay, this is the last straw, it 
that seemed a little unrealistic too. Like they'd gotten back together after the incident that at one, parents' house. That and... to me was like more of a build up. Like she had done some things that made him a little uncomfortable. Then she gets drunk, becomes very possessive. Right. Does the very inappropriate deaf voice and he's like right. I think like when they described it in the uh in the interview, he's like I realized that she wasn't the person like she had this sort of other stuff in her personality that hadn't come out before and when it did like I think the point was like I can't this is this is not going to work if this is who you really are because I mean they hadn't been dating that long presumably in the show like a couple months maybe sure so it's possible that he had not seen that side of her yet as it was a fairly new relationship at that part seemed I, I do think the sort of quick turn at Pete's house where she freaks out seemed a little more unrealistic. The getting drunk at the bar, if she if she does have sort of a possessive tendency, didn't seem that unrealistic to me. But who knows? Sure. People Just to be weird. the last straw, I thought I thought I, I thought it was a little accelerated, but whatever. It didn't matter. And then it got rid of her, and that set up the final episode where you know he was a little bummed out, but he. He got the opportunity with the agent, which, by the way, that scene the agent where is the awesome. agent <laughs> is in the Italian restaurant or whatever, and Pete walks in, he's like, I'm here to see, I forget the agent, the character's name, but he's like, I'm here to see him, and he's just two tables down, eating by himself. <laughs> like, he owns the place, it was like a yeah, Sopranos the moment. The mater d' of this, yeah, like, I thought restaurant that, was, that probably I thought charges, that was just like, classic. $10 for a plate of pasta. Right. I, I thought that was really, really entertaining, <laughs> and I, I like that guy. I think he's a, he's a, a funny character. Yeah, he was definitely a great character. Um, but uh, yeah, that was classic, and then obviously that that whole episode. So, so that's the one thing that I wanted to discuss is, is her as a character. The other thing I wanted to ask you because I've had discussions with this same coworker who's a Mulaney fan about our thoughts on. So you mentioned earlier you like the show. I'm a fan as well. But what is it about the show that you like? And and I'll, I'll preface it with what she said, which is she said I don't really like Pete. I like everybody else in the show. And I, I kind of agree. Like, I do like Pete. I like but Pete. there are so many comics that I know and I recognize and I've seen sure. through the years. And I'm like, love that guy. I love the guy. I love the fact that there are little bits of stand-up here and there. Obviously, as someone who's done stand-up before, like, it, that's what made it a really enticing show to me. Yeah, I like the, the sort of behind the curtain. It's sort of like what Seinfeld did where they in the earlier seasons where they kind of showed you how he came up with his material. This was a much yeah. more organic yes, way of doing sure. it. They're not necessarily like, here's what happened to me, and that's how it turned into a bit, which is right. what Seinfeld did for at least a few seasons. But um, yeah. yeah, this sort of like just discussions, having the comics like, yeah, some of this, there's like bits of stand-up which are good. I think just in general, like I think the premises were pretty funny. There's some right. funny stuff in there. I did like Pete, but yeah, he he also was a good foil to sort of make those other people shine. Sure. Um, and just, I don't know, there's just compelling storytelling. I think it did. I mean, it's produced by uh, Judd Apatow. Judd Apatow. Or yeah. co, he's whatever co-writes it. So yeah. it has that. So a lot of his stuff is like, has that kind of like warm fuzzy along yep. with very, this isn't as like blue or dirty as some of his movies are, but it right. has that like funny part along with that kind of like, I hate to say heartwarming because that makes it sound cheesy, but it does have sort of a heartwarming quality to it. So well, I mean, and... Pete's 
Pete's kind of a lovable idiot, so you're pulling for him to, to do well, yeah. even yes. though he's not always great at it. But, I mean, his stand-up is, like, super clean, and I think it is pretty enjoyable to a large audience, right. I would say. Right. Yeah, it's milk toast for the well, for the most part. So that, that actually leads me perfectly into my, my final point, my final question I wanted to ask, which is I heard and I read, and I'm sure this interview you're talking about probably addressed this as well, and I was surprised to hear and read that all of the stand-up that Pete does, he wrote himself. Whether it's the Christian comedy tour stuff or, you know, the somewhat darker stuff or the college tour stuff. And for the most part, it was all pretty funny. Like, even yeah, his bad good. stuff I thought was pretty good. So I was really shocked to hear that. I mean, you look, uh, Jamie Lee, who is the character that plays Allie, in the sh- or the, the actress that plays Allie in the show... Um, she was a writer as well, and there were a couple other writers that I, I, I noticed in the credits, but I think for the most part it was Pete writing. And, of course, a lot of people don't know this. You know who Judd Apatow is, but he has, at various times in his life, done stand-up as well. And he's he's like a stand-up historian. He used mm-hmm. to interview stand-ups back in the 80s. Uh, he worked, I heard an interview with him, Joe Rogan, I think, another popular podcast you should check out, um, was interviewing Judd Apatow. And, and, I don't like Joe Joe Rogan. That's fine. But anyway, I think Judd Apatow used to work at the the one of the L.A. clubs, and he back in the 80s, like, you know, when Rodney Dangerfield and Sam Kennison and all these guys, and so he is like, he's seen it all. You know, he, mm-hmm. he saw stand-up back when it really started hitting. Um, and so not only is he kind of a stand-up historian, but he's also, he's also been a stand-up himself, and he'd probably consider himself somewhat of a stand-up, even though obviously his movie and film career has far outshone his whatever he might do on stage but all that to say a roundabout way of saying i i was actually quite impressed with the the writing um in the actual stand-up scenes and i was surprised to find out that pete wrote most of it because all i knew of pete holmes before this show was from what i believe was called the pete holmes show which was like a talk show that i did not think was that funny at all he has a podcast which i haven't listened to but i think i will consider listening to it um, yeah, I didn't really. I think I'd probably seen him before, but I didn't really have any experience with him before the show. Not and not any, anything significant. And like I said, right. I enjoyed the show. Like it, it was a nice. There are some HBO shows where, like half-hour shows, where I feel like nothing happens, but they're still kind of enjoyable. This was slightly better than that. Like it wasn't nothing. Ha- like the story arcs were good. I feel like and. I like the characters on the show. I really liked <laughs> Leaf, his uh, ex-wife's oh, yeah. boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, he was he was great. Um, although I will admit, I think it was season two, there was an episode where it was basically about he and Leaf just walking through the city and like having yeah, a day together. <laughs> and that was probably my least favorite episode. But in general, he has Leaf has wonder, great. Line. I wonder if that one like is better on, on rewatch. I don't know. I I haven't rewatched any of them. Some of that was well, like that part was ridiculous to me. I'm like, there's no way he would become friendly with his. It really was lover. bizarre. <laughs> yes, but you know, as it happens, it's just like okay. And then in season three, the only time Leaf shows up is with his ex-wife, and they're there to support him at all these shows. Yeah. And it's like, like they just became the number one fans, which I thought was just great. Friends, it was a great yeah. little twist. Um. But yeah, so overall, uh, excellent show. I agree. I, I was, I found out as I was watching episode six or seven. This is a day or two ago at work. 
during lunch, I was watching an episode, and I just went to Wikipedia to look up Pete Holmes. I think I was looking for his age or something. I don't know, just some random fact. And I saw in Google, in the news results for Pete Holmes, that, you know, everyone's shocked it was canceled. And I was like, what? I was actually disappointed yeah, to me find too. out it was Well, canceled. the thing is, I, so I watched the finale, and I was like, huh, that kind of wrapped up really well. I was like, yeah. I wonder if it was if it was canceled. And I typed in, and canceled came up, and I was like, well, that's not good. Cause, or I was like, well, maybe right. other people thought it was canceled just because it ended so like cleanly and again nope. i could see it like going another season and then so 100%. i i haven't read anything that says why it was canceled i assume for ratings but that doesn't seem like that big see, a deal for hbo so i don't right understand and that's the... and that's hard to quantify as well i mean obviously they have a way of quantifying but that's that's the thing i was again talking with my coworker, and and she said the same thing she's like maybe it's expensive and i'm like they have a lot of comedians who would probably do it for a hundred bucks and a sandwich I and, do know, sorry, on the expensive part, that it's shot on actual film for some reason. Okay. I assume that's a Judd Apatow, like, it is. quirk. 100% but, it is. Um, so and it's that, shot in New York, the most expensive place to shoot costs, film. That would drive up costs, but it, it could but, definitely be made cheaper if they needed to. Of course, and HBO but here's my argument. spends a shit ton of money on everything. That's what I was about to say. Here's my argument. Game of Thrones is $10 million an episode. Yeah, this is like... There's no chance oh. in hell. This is $10 million for three seasons. Yeah, Maybe. The, the, the whole season is like 10 minutes of a Game of Thrones battle sequence or something. Yeah, so that... that and that was the conversation I had with my coworker. I'm like... Or she half suggested an it. I was like, I was like there's no way. There's no way cost has anything to do with it. And again, if it's ratings, I would think it's doing well. I'd be surprised if it... If yeah, it wasn't. I mean, one of the things in the interview that I read is like people, a lot of people really like the show, and it also is one of those shows that people were telling him, you know, this could really become a cult classic because not as many people had watched, which that would lead me to believe the ratings right. thing. But right. I mean, I feel like there are other shows on HBO that I've never watched, like Insecure and stuff. I've heard they're good, but I just haven't watched them. Yeah, I can't imagine. I haven't watched most of the shows on, on, on HBO, to be perfectly honest with I mean, you, as, as this, most people. I assume, has pretty good critical reviews. I don't know. It's just, it's it's odd to me that it, like, if it were canceled after one season, I could see it, but making three seasons and then canceling it seems But see, and, weird. and here's the other thing, and, and this will be, be a transition to our next topic. <laughs> okay. Um, you compare it to a show like Barry, which we obviously both really enjoy as well. Yep. Um, but I could see Barry kind of a avant-garde dark comedy. I could see that not doing well with the broader audience, doing well sure. critically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But not doing well with critically broader, acclaimed, yet, but sort of like yet, uh, Arrested Development. Not that they're similar in of tone, course. but like of course. Yet it's Bill a great Hader show people get it later or whatever. Right. Yet Bill Hader won an Emmy, and clearly they're moving ahead with season two, and there'll probably be another season. Like I feel like. Barry has a, a much better chance of continuing, not in perpetuity, but much longer. Um, I don't know. It's it's almost like with Crashing, they took the BBC approach of let's make a couple seasons and then kill it because that's what the BBC does with every single show they've ever made. <laughs> yeah, it do, it does have that feeling. There's the what was the name of that show? There was a I think it was on HBO. Um, there's an English comedian that's like really tall. Also, mm-hmm. um, do you know who I'm talking about? I don't. Not off the top of my head, anyway. What was the premise of the show? It was about him basically trying to find love. And I think it was one, maybe two seasons. On HBO? 
I'm pretty sure it was on HBO. Hmm. Um, he like he's a contemporary. Oh, I think it's Stephen Merchant. People are at home listening right now, going crazy. Because they know. Yeah, Stephen Merchant. Uh, his show oh! is called Hello okay. Ladies. Yeah, Stephen Merchant, who was the co-writer for the UK version of The Office. Yes, I watched that. I loved that show. Me too. And it so it was only on for one season. That yeah, and it that just got to killed. me is like the parallel to Crashing. Agreed. I could see where if Crashing got canceled after one season, it's like, oh, it's kind of like a Hello Ladies. Not quite the same premise. I mean, that one's right. definitely about this freakishly yes. tall dude trying to find a girlfriend. But yes, <laughs> but uh, uh, but I, I was I was all in on that show from the get go because I knew it was Stephen Merchant who co-created. The Office, which I think The Office UK edition is one of the best shows of all time. I mean, I love Stephen Merchant. I think he's hilarious just because he, he has that dry he's so awkward. wit. And he is 6'7". I think Pete Holmes might be 6'6". Yeah. Six, six, so they're both he's close. Like, and he probably weighs about 75 pounds less than Pete Holmes yeah. does. <laughs> Stephen Merchant is, is a rail-thin bastard, but Boston. Um, yeah, no, that's a perfect... See, that's funny. I love that show, but it was... Seven, eight episodes, and that did was it. Did you watch so the movie? So they made a movie after. I did. I did. Same. Yeah. I was less sold on the movie. I liked the. I concur. The show format better. But, but I the, in the interview, they also said they're not opposed to the idea of doing a movie, a crashing movie. Um, see, and I, I, I'd be all in for that, but I, I also don't see why, you know, just give it some time and then reevaluate and say maybe we could go for a season a season four you yeah know? It, it does it seems weird that they canceled it like and not put it on hiatus or whatever and comes yeah, back in it, two years or whatever <laughs> like the day after the final episode <laughs> airs it just doesn't make any sense i mean i don't know exactly what the timing was but definitely when new episodes were still coming out because i think come they out canceled it like a little while ago like a couple days before the finale aired yeah that's so weird I mean, that's when I mean, it became public. Obviously, they were having conversations right, before right. that. So. And that's and I, I get it. That gets it publicity. So I understand it from their perspective, but it's still very bizarre to, to kill it. Speaking of killing... I wonder if more will come out on that cancellation. I don't know. Let's, maybe, maybe. Well, I mean, Pete Holmes we'll did not seem upset about it. Like, he's not... He doesn't seem like a vengeful person anyway, but no. he wasn't like... I mean, he's and like, by the way, I, it was a great I'm experience, certain... blah, 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 blah. Right. By the way, I'm sure his character, while maybe not exactly the type, that's probably. I feel like that's who Pete Holmes actually is. Oh yeah, hundred is the character that he played in Crashing. <laughs> maybe I mean, not he's the like, backstory, it's a version but... of myself. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that is yourself. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, so again, speaking of killing, um, let's move on to the other show that I mentioned a second ago. My transition is a little delayed here, but sorry, uh, Barry, <laughs> season two starts. I believe it's March 31st, which is a Sunday. Uh, so it's only a couple weeks away. So very excited Barry. about that. We we mentioned, yeah, we mentioned a couple things about this. I think it was on the air. I can't remember exactly, but yes, last week where we were talking about how the previews are not giving away anything other than the fact there is a new that trailer that shows about. more. I don't know if you okay. if you saw it. It was the head of crashing finale. Okay. I believe. I actually I actually did see it, but everyone up to that <laughs> had not revealed anything other than the fact that the Russian guy is back in again which is hilarious and in that trailer you mentioned he's actually wearing a wig in one yes, scene which I'm, made me literally I'm laugh out loud very excited about that too I don't know what the hell is going it's on funny but... I was going to mention that because I was like that looks hilarious you, you do realize the guy he's like an American actor right he's not Russian at all you do know that yeah I could tell he's, like he's doing accent, accent. Yeah. okay well you never know um, 
So Barry is coming back. Powder, right? I don't know if that's true. I'm joking. Okay. Um, just because he's bald. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. And pale. Um, so, thoughts on Barry coming back? You excited? Yes. Expectations? Looks like he's back to his killing ways, which is exciting. Yeah, I mean, it seems like they're mining some of the same territory where... Uh, I forget what his the funny Russian guy's name is, but he's forcing him to do some hits, and he's right. living his sort of mental anguish through his acting. He's also yes. going to be working with... Uh, Henry Winkler. Henry Winkler, and... The girlfriend whose name I can't remember. I can't remember uh, any of their names. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't remember any of the character names, which is not surprising. But, I mean, it seems like it's sort of a continuation of the first season. I know we talked last week about the the mentioning of, like, him killing Henry Winkler's girlfriend. And, yes. Like, the, the trailers that thus far had not shown anything about it. This, the second, the more extended scenes from the season also did not speak to that as far as I could gather from just quickly watching it. So I agree. I assume that will be addressed it's in some detail, but presumably in the first episode. You can't that's literally how the season ended last time. <laughs> so we'll have to find out. And Henry yeah, Winkler's still I'm, on the I'm show. I'm super excited. So, I mean I, yeah. I think that show's great, so I'm excited to see so, where it goes. As am I. So I, I put on here Barry versus you I don't know if you even knew what I meant by that, but there was a show on... I did not. So there was a show on Netflix that originally aired on Lifetime called You. And I watched it this past weekend. It was a 10-episode series. And... You know why I didn't watch it? Why? Because it was on Lifetime. Oh. Okay. Perfectly reasonable. (laughs) However... If you watch it, you will say, how the hell was this ever on Lifetime? Because the production value is out of this world. It takes place in New York City, not fake Canada um, or real Canada. I, I feel like everything on Lifetime, it's like, here we are in Southern California. It's like, no, you're clearly across the border in the Vancouver area. Like, it's so obvious. But anyway, um, but the show You had a very similar tone uh, the female lead looks very similar to the lead in Barry. So, obviously, we can't go into a deep conversation about it because you haven't seen you. Highly recommended. I think you'll find it very interesting. Um, so, and I would... I would sorry, say it again. It has a similar premise or... Uh, essentially. I mean, the guy in you... I don't want to reveal too much. Again, spoiler alert for the entire pod tonight. But um, I don't want to reveal too much about you, but the guy ends up killing a few people, but yet he's dating a, a blonde female lead who has no idea what he's doing. Um, they didn't meet each other in acting class. It's not a pure ape of, of Barry. Sure, but, sure. Um, but it's, it's, it's just, it's similar enough. He's kind of, he's kind of stalking this girl who he eventually convinces to fall in love with him and they have a relationship and it's on again, off again. It's, it's, it's interesting. I, I suggest you watch it. Maybe we can talk about the comparisons in a couple of weeks or whenever you have the chance to watch the, the run. Um, How many episodes our, is it? It's 10 episodes, but they're an hour apiece. I mean, they're 44 minutes. They're lifetime <sighs> hours. Just watch the first I'm or second. See you. if you like it. All right, I'll, I'll look into it. Give it a shot. All right, so that's a tease. Down the road, we'll talk more about Barry and you. Not you, you. 
there were plenty of jokes made about that. Um, sure. Okay, so that's our HBO update for the week here on the Bro Pod. Um, let's go to let's go to everybody's favorite game because we haven't done this in a couple of months at this point, and that's Name Your Price. It's time for Name Your Price right here on the Bro Pod with Scott and Todd. God, I love that jingle. All right, so this week's <laughs> Name Your Price is brought to you by the letter T followed by O double D. I have no idea what this is about. Something about the Portland Trailblazers and an elevator, but let's find out. So what's the name of your price for this week, Doug? So a couple of weeks ago, the Portland Trailblazers were on, I think I told you they played seven road games. It was a 15-day road trip. Long road trip, yeah. Um, and maybe in Toronto, somewhere, okay. they were going to their hotel, and they got stuck on an elevator for like... Now, when you say they, clearly not the entire basketball team because that's a lot of people. A significant amount, I would say, seven to eight players because they okay. they were sharing some of their trials and tribulations on social media, and there were a lot of people in the elevator, and that's part of the name your price. So, okay. basically, how long could you last on an elevator? And so, one of the reasons I wanted that we're gonna we're gonna modify the elevator because. One sure. of the videos showed Myers Leonard, who is seven feet, maybe seven one, and he's basically oh, sort of like bent over in the elevator because sure he's a seven foot tall man. So we're gonna drop the ceiling height to like six feet in this elevator so that it's okay. uncomfortably close to your head. Right. And uh, what would be your price to stay in said thing with? So it it'll be six feet tall. You'll be in there with say six other people who are of okay. similar size to you. Sure. And you have to stay in there for twenty four hours. So, wow, twenty four hours. Okay. That's so a while long. I'm thinking, the Blazers did not stay in there that, that long. But. That was my question. Obviously, <laughs> clearly they did not because I'm sure this was not a a local a, a, a rundown Holiday Inn or a Motel Six. Um, so while I'm thinking about this, how long were they actually in there? 30 minutes. Okay, so we're extending it a little bit to 24 hours. <laughs> well, I mean, how long would it... Slight what, extension. What's the amount of money you'd have to stay in over 30 minutes? 20 bucks. I got I got to up the stakes Fair. a little bit. Fair point. Okay, couple questions, just to clarify the scenario. Are we all the same sex? Yes. For this, do we all know each other? Uh, we'll say yes. You guys are on a basketball team. <laughs> We're on a basketball team. Okay, me and my me and my bros from the Hoopsters. Um, twenty four hours. So obviously, if we're in there twenty four hours, there's going to be a you know urination defecation situation <laughs> we got to figure out. Wait, you can't um, you can't not defecate for twenty four hours. I mean, I I could, but I, I guess normally it depends choose on what not you've to. <laughs> yeah, do we have like power bar? I assume we have sufficient food yes. to survive. So in okay. in the Blazer situation, Evan Turner had a couple of like granola bars, and he's like, "I'm saving these. I'm not sharing them. <laughs> <laughs> or something like it. that." <laughs> okay, so 24 hours. Whew. I tell you what, the claustrophobia thing might start kicking in if it's only six feet high. That would be very uncomfortable. I, I, presumably, we would all be seated 
pretty soon after it started. It's interesting because, like I said, they were only in there for 30 minutes, but most of them were standing up. I mean, I... Again. In 30 minutes, I'd probably stay standing, but if I, if I, if it stopped and I knew, all right, for a day I'm going to be in here, I'm immediately sitting down. I'm not standing <laughs> up any longer than I have to. Immediately sitting down. I'd be the first one down. I'd be like, I'm going to, I'm going to sit over here where it's clean before it becomes the defecation corner. Um, whew. 24 hours with me and a basketball team. I'm going to name my price. I'm going to say five grand. All right. That's a good number. That's that's the line. You feel comfortable with that? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. I'd be about the same. Sorry. I'm just You're doing something s- else. I'm looking up some details of the, uh, of the incident. Yeah. We don't need to stay on this topic too long. Um, it was outside of Boston at Emerson College where the ah, incident occurred. Okay. Yeah, I just, I, I, again, I think I am... I am generally not a claustrophobic person, but I feel like low ceiling would really throw me into a tizzy. Yeah, that I mean, that's that sort of thing. Like, a regular elevator, again, I think it would get old after about an hour, but... Yeah. Or ten minutes, maybe. Sure. sure. Um, but if I, if I were seven feet tall and I were in there with other people and it started really getting crowded, like... Yeah, it would feel like it's closing start, in on you. You feel like you're not breathing as well. Like, that would definitely come into play, I would assume. I mean, this is nowhere near the same thing, but I remember when, was it six, nine months ago, when those kids were stuck in the in the cave in the Philippines or wherever it was, and oh, Elon yeah. Musk was start, trying to go over there and t- tunnel them out or whatever. Elon Musk did nothing but pretended he, like he was going well, to. By the time he got and there. they actually saved them. He they really didn't settled. do jack shit, but talk about it. No, no, he showed up, but he didn't. He actually, you're right. He actually did not do anything because by the time he got there, they were they were done. Um, but like, I, I saw pictures of where you know the kind of the shelf that those kids were standing on. I was like, I would have been going insane <laughs> because I think at a certain point, and they were down there for days. Obviously, I think at a certain point, you start to realize, all right, there's you know ninety five thousand tons of earth on top of me. Yeah, yeah. And just you, your your mind would start racing about it's all going to collapse on top of me. We're all going to die. We're going to suffocate. And it's you wouldn't have that same thought in an I elevator, but about. that what's that? It's probably not the first thing I would have thought of. But. No, but <laughs> no, and not again, not the first thing. But once you've been down yeah, there for if three you've been days, down there you're, for forty eight you know, hours, no sunlight, you're drinking from the one water bottle that the guy had, or you know whatever it is, like yeah, yeah. You, you start hallucinating. So I can imagine maybe not twenty four hours, but. Towards the end of that 24 hours, I'd be having similar thoughts of, oh, my God. <laughs> and depending on what floor they're on, like, are we going to, you know, once this thing kicks back to life, are we going to plummet 15 stories to our death? Like, I don't know. I'd have some thoughts. And it's funny, too, because you mentioned this whole elevator thing. I still, to this day, when I get in elevators, the first thing I do is I look up to see, like, what the escape route would be <laughs> if I had to get out of the Like, is there a way to go through the ceiling? This is your diehard... Preparedness. Yes, exactly. It's my yeah. Bruce Willis taught me well. John McClane said, <laughs> "Look for the panel that you can remove in the elevator, lest you get stuck in it." The elevator and stops, to... and Scott just screams out, "Yippee ki yay, motherfucker!" That's right. And then <laughs> I jump out. out of the ceiling. <laughs> I take my semi-automatic machine gun, <laughs> and I tie it. No, um, and then you know Hans Gruber shoots the glass, and the rest is history. So, anyway, so yeah, five grand. That's the answer. Um, 
Interesting ending price. And thus ends. So I put something on here because I was just watching because I didn't have to work for a half day today because our office shut down because there were power outages in downtown Denver. Um, I was watching a classic Lakers game and it happened to be Magic Johnson's first game. It was the Lakers versus the San Diego Clippers. Ooh. October 12th, 1979. Bill Walton was by far the most famous person on that team, although he didn't play that day because he was injured. Therefore making like the one and only Bill Walton's career. Right. Therefore making the one and only World Be Free now the most famous person on that team from what I can gather anyway. Um on this on the San Diego Clippers, but here's the reason I bring this up and I want to get your opinion on this because God knows you're going to have an opinion on this. I don't have an opinion. October 12th, 1979 was the opening day of that season, 1979-1980 season. It was also the very first day that the three-point line was officially put into play. They tested during the preseason, and this was the first day. Mm-hmm. As this game was happening, no one in the NBA had yet made a three-pointer. It happened later that day. Uh, Chris Ford was the name of the guy who made the first official NBA three-pointer, Boston Celtics player. But the craziest stat from that night is there were 12 games that night and that day in the NBA. There were a total, a total of three three three-pointers made out of all 12 games combined. (laughs) The modern-day NBA, if you don't have three three three-pointers in a quarter from either team, but definitely from both teams, in every single game, it's a what's going on in this game. There were three three three-pointers made in 12 total games on the first official day that three-pointers were an option in the NBA. Thoughts? Comments? I mean, that's just the state of the NBA then, Love right? and trust? Oh. Yes. Um, it I, very much speaks to that. It's, it, yeah, it's interesting because the number keeps going up. I, oh, it's gone up it's, dramatically. It's hard. In the past it's four hard to years, like sure. go back and like um, figure out like why people didn't realize that that was <laughs> a good thing to do. Right. Take three pointers. Um, it just wasn't part of the game plan. Yeah, I know I it wasn't part of the game. So many years. Like, so I'm looking at Magic Johnson's basketball reference, and. Yes. Uh, so his career stats, his first season, his three-point attempts for the season were .4 a game. I was about to say less than 50. And then his uh, his last season, well, we'll say the 90-91 because they're... Yeah, don't include the comeback season. That doesn't count. Uh, his three-point attempts were three a game, basically. Right. Three point two. So, yeah, I mean, like now, three point two is like Yusuf Nurkic. <laughs> I know he yeah. doesn't take that many, but it's Attempts. like yeah, it's, most centers are shooting three point two per game. <laughs> yeah, it's like or a, like the last man on the bench, you know. But a shooting guard, or even a point guard, and most small forwards, five six a game, and then you got guys like Curry and Thompson and people, you know. James Harden, God forbid, 15 a game. You know, it's it's crazy. It's just, it, it was really interesting to me. Obviously, I had a keen interest in the game because it was Magic Johnson's first game. I'd never seen it before. I also forgot 
that the Clippers were in San Diego back in the day. So that I was like, yeah, oh, yeah kind of I remember that now. That's kind of a blast from the past. Um, but and it's and I, I love watching those games on the Hardwood Classics on NBA TV because, especially from that era and even before, the game is just so different. And and I, I kind of hate the fact that a lot of a lot of people that are NBA writers or NBA fans even today are like, oh, today the game is so much better. I mean, that's fine. That's your opinion. I don't know if that's true, though, because now the game is isolation, dribble, 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 shoot. Three-pointer. Isolation, uh, dribble, dribble, no, dribble, that's shoot. the Rockets. That's not how everybody else plays. Okay, so an entire team, that's all they do. James Harden, bring it up, dribble, dribble, <laughs> dribble shoot. But it's like, back then, every single time down the floor, unless it was a fast break, there was a set play that they ran. And I... Teams just don't. I'm not saying they don't do it ever. Obviously, they have set plays. What are you practicing for if you don't? But they just don't do it nearly as much as they used to. It's just a totally, totally different game. So and just it's, a it's interesting. quick interjection. Last year, Mark yeah. Gasol attempted 4.4 three points, three pointers a game. Mark Gasol did. Yes. Wow. <laughs> I mean, he's he's an a good outside shooter. So he's he a, is. he's a little more, more so like I looked up Nurkic sure. yeah. and Nurkic was like 0. 0.4 a game because he never shoots threes, but. Right. Um, yeah, the the percentage of three pointers. I mean, you know, three points are worth more than two, so they figured that out, and uh, they certainly but, are. So they there was a interesting Simmons podcast where they he has this movie thing where they do the rewatchables and they rewatch yes. a a movie and talk about it. But they did a rewatchables of the Oklahoma a City. Uh, Golden State game, the last series where it was like game six, game seven, I guess. I don't know. Went back when Durant and Westbrook were playing together, which was, I think, 2015, maybe. Sure. Um, And they were saying even then, like, the spacing looks completely different. Like, just in a few, three or four years, how much the game has changed you know obviously it's shifting more towards threes and player yeah. spacing you have teams like the bucks now where Giannis basically is just surrounded by shooters and he takes his two steps from the three-pointer to the basket yeah and dunks or kicks out to a bunch of shooters right. um so i mean the game will change again obviously either by rules or just Ever playing evolving. style so I don't know. The, it, the, I mean, it does make the sort of player comparisons. I think it is true. You can't really compare like LeBron to MJ because they just played in different games. All the hand checking right. rules and all that kind of stuff. The amount of three pointers shot. LeBron yeah, that's, giving up. <laughs> so that uh, there are two things that stand out to me about that game that I was watching. One that is true for any game that I watch from pre nineteen ninety, which is when they're shooting free throws, they shoot it, make or miss, the ref immediately gives them the ball back for the second shot. There's none of this slapping five and walking back to the three-point line and blowing kisses. The, the other the other team doesn't ask to hold the ball and rub it in their hands before they get No, <laughs> none of that shit, which annoys the living hell out of me about the current NBA and That's college game. That's a good game. point. If they want to... If- because there's always complaint like the free throws yeah. slow down the game. They should speed up that, like, get it back to the player. No high fives. Yeah. Like, just How take about another you shot. <laughs> once, yeah, if you're a player on the line, on the free, not shooting the free throw, but on, you know, on the box, if it's a two free throw situation after the first free throw, you can't move. 
<laughs> Unless you're subbing out, you cannot move. That's the other thing. So many guys were subbed in between, or, you know, nowadays are subbed. And I get it. That's a break and play. But anyway, so that's the first thing. Is watch any game before 1990, and it's like, oh, my God, that is so refreshing. <laughs> like, the ref, the ref can't get it back to him fast enough. Make or miss. Immediately bounce pass right back to the guy. But the other thing, and I only watched the first half of that game that I'm referencing, but right before halftime, one of the San Diego Clipper players shoots a three, is the the, the defender, I forget which Laker is defending him, totally undercuts him, knocks him down, no foul, <laughs> no, play on, bitch. That's how we do it. Every asshole in the NBA would be getting three shots right now. But that is not how it worked back in 1979. It's yeah. like, too bad. You shouldn't have landed on his foot. The foul hunting I loved it. now I loved is, it. is obnoxious. It's the most annoying play in the NBA. And that's why I, I can't even watch James Harden play anymore. Because he's looking for feet to land on. I mean, He I can land say, on somebody who's sitting in the audience and they'd call a foul on the, uh, the audience member. The three-point attempts have three gone shots. up, too, because like none of those guys could shoot three-pointers. Like, like uh, in the 80s or 90s, like... A good three-point shooter probably shot true, like twenty-five percent, but they they didn't shoot as many, and so they weren't as like they didn't have you. There was nobody that was shooting like forty-five percent from three, or if there were, uh, it's no, because they Larry, took two Larry, a Larry game Bird or whatever. Did. You know what I mean, though. Like no, people Larry Bird did. There were there were a couple exceptions, but no, there weren't nearly the the volume. But of now, doing like that was not the same. I agree. Kids growing up and kids, those kids being in the NBA now can shoot 40% pretty reliably from three, so it doesn't make sense not to take those shots, I guess. Right. And that's going to continue, again, until there's a rule change or a strategy that makes that not a valuable... Sure. Um, sure. Strategy. Another thing that I, I was, I was listening to there, <laughs> talking about... Um, Roy Hibbert and how like you know yeah. three or four years ago they're like this guy's the best center in the game this whole idea of verticality and then mm-hmm. teams just started like try, started pulling him out of the paint and he basically became like unplayable and yeah he became two glass knees which is what he was and is now out of the league so I mean it's interesting yeah. like like he his whole thing of verticality was like everybody's going to be doing this this is the new right. This is how centers are going to be from now on, and it lasted like I don't know a season, half a season. Right. So there's some things yeah. that are going to be that are going to change via rules, and then other things, smart teams and coaches will just figure out a way to exploit it. I mean, James Harden's a perfect example. Like, I think there are a lot. Some people enjoy watching him play. A lot of people are like you; they're frustrated because he just foul hunts and. It's not entertaining. Travels. It's not entertaining basketball. And all that kind yeah, of stuff. He travels every fucking time. Ass fac. Ass fac? What's an ass fac? Anyway, go ahead. But um, he's yeah. figured out how basically to hack the game to his ability. Yeah. And he's turned it. You said it. That's a perfect word. He's, he's turned it into a video game. He's hacked the game. That's correct. And un, until they make a like a rule change or people figure out a way to basically shut that down. I mean. Yeah. It's not as prevalent because he basically does what he does better than anybody else. Fair. He's able to get those calls that not everybody... I mean, lots of people try to, but no one gets them the way that he does. And I don't think it's right. just that he's known for getting fouls. He, he, The way he moves his body and like 
comes to players and dribbles and sort of has his Eurostep thing, forces refs, for whatever reason, to get to make those calls for him better than other right. players can do it. So, Sure. Um, until there, like I said, until there's a rule change or until someone figures out, like, I mean, it's, it is weird, like, when you see, uh, I think even, like, the Lakers, people defend him, like, hold their hands behind their backs because they're like, I'm not touching him. You don't call a foul on me. I'm do. I'm just going to play yeah, defense, Josh Hart positional did defense a couple times. Yeah. And they still get called for the foul. And it's like, what the yep. fuck can I do? Like, you're not letting right. me play defense on this guy. <laughs> right. It's frustrating and annoying. Um, yeah. So anyway, um, Oh, and by the way, I, I looked it up while you were, chatting there. I looked up something while you were talking. What? Um, and uh, between 84 and 88, Larry Bird, three-point percentage was north of 40%. Uh, and then twice, 86, 87, and 87, 88, he was in the 40, 50, 90 club. 40% three-point percentage, 50% two-point percentage, and 90% from free-throw line. So, But what are, his, he was my, what are his attempts, though? Like how many three His points? attempts in those years, 1.6, 3, and 3.1. So they went up every year in those four years, his three-point attempts. So that's not a lot of attempts, but, yeah. I mean, it's not a lot compared to nowadays, but still. If you're hitting four out of ten. Sure. You're, you're doing well. You're doing real well. And then again, in 91-92, he was over 40%, shooting basically three a game. So um, kudos to Larry Bird. But, I mean, this year, James Harden's three-point attempts a game are 13.4. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking ridiculous. And he also was proud of having 88 straight makes without an assist. So, who's an idiot? James Harden is. Anyway, I digress. All right, let's move away from the NBA for the final topic of the evening. Um, and I, I just want to talk about it because I literally watched it today because it was basically... A snow day for the afternoon. I worked in the morning, but it was a snow day in the afternoon. Um, so there's a movie that, a documentary that recently aired on National Geographic, and it's been out for a few months now, but I think it's on Hulu or Amazon Prime. There, there are other places to see it, but it's what called Free Solo. Prime. Is that Amazon Prime? Yeah, Amazon Prime. It's got That's 99% of Rotten Tomatoes as well. It's called Free Solo. It's basically the story of... Um, Oh my God! I went away from it. Alex Honnold, uh, who is a rock climber, who attempts to do El Capitan. Spoiler alert: He's still alive. Um, on as as a solo climb, a free solo climb, which basically means no, no ropes. ropes. Now, I am one of those people that I can watch things. I can I can see things. Visual images. And it doesn't affect me. I was, I started out watching this movie in my, with my slippers on underneath the blanket. By the end, my slippers were off and the blanket was off because I was literally sweating <laughs> watching this dude <laughs> climb up this rock. It is intense, man. It is an intense, they, they shoot it beautifully. El Capitan is in Yosemite National Park and it's just a giant rock face. Um, and they had a bunch of guys, you know, on the rocks next to him. They had cameras set up from distance. They had they had jibs at the top of the rock, so they were like shooting over it. Mm -hmm. So basically they'll like swing the camera out. You would have been you would have shit your pants watching this thing. I'm not the camera like of heights. Yeah, but you're 
You're a puss when it comes to stuff like this. No, I, you see I'm going to watch this. I'm sure it's not going to bother me. You see blood and you go running. I just get motion sickness oh, uh, from the well, okay, shaky well, camera could, work. Could be a problem then. There's definitely some drone shots. But anyway, so they, there are several shots where there was a jib at the top of the rock that would start out as if you're standing at the top of this large rock. I think it was 3,000 feet. Um, and it basically swings out. And you're just like, oh, like you're, you're looking <laughs> over this thing, watching him climb up. Your nuts but it's, drop. <laughs> it's truly, truly insane, the the preparation, which I think is really the point of the movie, showing the preparation. And he takes, he, he has handwritten journals where he talks about, you know, at this particular, and there, you know, the different sections of the climb have, have various names. Um, but he talks about finger placement and how you have to cross your, le- your right leg over your left and... I mean, the key to rock climbing, I, I learned this some time ago. I've, I've never been a rock climber myself, but, you know, you have two hands and you have two feet. And the idea is two feet. <laughs> you have two sure. hands and two feet. And the idea is you always need to have two points of pressure. In other words, you have to, you have to be touching at least two of those four at all times or you're going to fall and die. Um, in this and so case, he talks about normally you could be roped in and you wouldn't necessarily die <laughs> indeed well and that's the thing they show him practicing obviously for weeks and months before that and he falls all the time <laughs> yet he still had confidence of i'm gonna climb this thing and there are just certain points where it's like you know you see him and, and you hear him kind of narrating it at certain points like yeah i'm just gonna you know crawl around here and put my foot here my hands here and like no you're not you're gonna die how are you doing this like this is impossible you're hanging by nothing you have no rope supporting you, and he, you know, he just puts his, his little his toe there, and there's I'm a tiny there little no, divot like, in the rock. Little bivouacs or little areas that he can stop and just sit down for a little while. This is a continuous climb, or continuous. There are place. there's maybe one or two points where he can just kind of rest and relax, but he was also trying to do it in a, a record-breaking time gotcha. as well. He broke the four-hour mark in, in doing it. Um, Again, even though these are spoiler alerts, it's still this has this will have no impact on the film. The outcome I, I is not the point; it's the watch. journey. Right, exactly. I encourage you all to watch Free Solo, but he's a super interesting guy. Um, you know, obviously, at, at one point he even goes and gets an MRI. They they scan his brain, and they determined that basically the portion of your brain that brings out fear doesn't exist for him. <laughs> And I totally believe it because of the shit he does. I mean, I'm watching it from the safety and security of my couch. I'm like, ah, and I know he lives. Like, I already know the outcome, and I'm still, like, panicking for him. Super interesting. Um, he They they interview his, his mom at one point. His his dad died some, some time ago. But, Fell off a mountain. And his mom is like, yeah, I think he's got Asperger's. Like, he's basically on the spectrum. And it's like, yeah, he, I totally agree because you have to be <laughs> – to be able to do the stuff that he does. So um, check it out. A fascinating, fascinating documentary. Um, Two and a half stars. Highly recommended. Four and a half stars. What'd you say? Two I and a half? two and a half. I was joking. Oh, You no. enjoyed it, it sounds like. Yeah, I, I, I literally, like I finished watching it and I was like, should I delete this or should I keep on the DVR? I feel like I could watch this again. Um, but it also, it, it kind of, Talks about his relationship. He's he has a girlfriend throughout the the course of them filming the documentary, and it's weird. Like she gets upset multiple times because he's like, "Yeah, I might I might die, and then I won't be here for you." You I know, might die. And, and she's 
she's trying to like rope him into this long-term relationship and he's like i mean that's fine but um i'm probably gonna die at some point falling <laughs> off a rock and it's, it's weird he's just so at peace with his reality that i just want to climb rocks and most people and they go through this at some point in the film they're like yeah a lot of rock climbers specifically those that do it without ropes fall to their death at some point in their life it's just you know that's just the reality and he's come to terms with that so um but yeah alex handled a, a, a crazy guy obviously in an intense shape he lived in a van for 10 years um cool. which that's kind of a lifestyle i guess he finally bought a house like two years ago a year and a half ago in vegas i think mostly because the girlfriend wanted him to do it because <laughs> um, she didn't want to live in a van anymore but i don't know it's super interesting uh, check it out if you haven't seen it already. Again, ninety nine percent on on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, whatever you what, what did you say? One hundred percent on the Amazon the Amazon ranking? No, you said one hundred percent Prime. I didn't know what that meant. Oh, I didn't. Say, no, I said Amazon Prime. I didn't say. No, 100%. you said one hundred percent Prime. And I was like, okay. Is that, are you talking about Amazon Prime? Well, fine. Amazon Prime, you just give it one hundred percent. Maybe that's not true, uh, but I got a microphone so I'm looking in front of up my face. How to stream it? It's it looks true. like you can. Um, Get a Nat Geo TV app if you have a smart TV or a Roku player, and watch okay. it free on that. Otherwise, you got to rent it. Okay. So I'm well, gonna see if even I can if you don't have any of those app. other, yeah, even if you don't have any of those free. other ways of doing it. It's probably also available uh, to be uh, stolen on the internet somewhere if you're really hard. Also, up. probably true, but it's it's, it's, it's worth so a couple of it. bucks. Just watch it. It's a great film. Watch it. So you now have homework of watching. The U series on Netflix, or at least one or two episodes. See if you Wait, like it's it. on Netflix? I thought you and said it was on soul. Lifetime. U is, yeah. Oh, okay. No, it originally aired on Lifetime, but then Netflix bought it. Uh... Oh, yeah. So... Right, 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 right. Anyway. Right. right. So, Free Solo, the sponsor of this week's show. Sweet. Check it out. Highly recommend. And I'm not saying that because it's the sponsor, because obviously it's not. I'm making that up. I... <laughs> I saw that it was on. I'd seen a special on it on, on E60 on ESPN. They did a little 10-minute thing about it, and I was like, ooh, I'd like to watch that. And then <laughs> I, I happened to be on Nat Geo, and it was on. I was like, oh, shit. And so I recorded it and watched it. Um, highly recommended. So, did it have commercials? Um, it did have commercials, yeah. Huh. But it was on the DVR, so I skipped through it. Yeah, I understand. You understand how that works. Uh, that silly DVR. She's a temptress. Anyway, so I think that's uh, that's all I got this week. Anything else you got? Anything going on in your life we we'll to talk about here in the pod? Spread the joy? Spread the love? Nope. Not a damn thing. That's what I thought. All right, so uh, find us on the Instagrams, the underscore bro underscore pod. Also on the Twitters. We're on Facebook, uh, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, tell a friend, share, like, send us an email, thebropodnetwork at gmail.com. We get so many emails. We I know we rarely have time to read them, but yeah. um, we might do a mailbag pod at some point here in the future, so stay tuned for that. Send us your questions, your comments, your criticisms, but not, or no, questions, comments, requests, but no criticisms. We need to hear that shit. Not that there would be any. Bring it on. All right, send your criticisms. It'll hurt Todd personally, but he does need to read it sometimes and understand what's going on. (laughs) So, anyway. uh, And again, tonight's show was brought to you by Free Solo, the documentary on Nat Geo. Get the Nat Geo app and download it. And it's also brought to you by something that we were talking about earlier that I've forgotten. 
What were we talking about earlier? No idea. Nobody remembers. Also brought to you by HBO Go. Check out Crashing. Excellent show. Barry coming up March 31st. Can't wait. Gonna be a winner. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. And until next time. Peace. See ya.